Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When two Division I athletes discuss the challenges and successes of navigating life after competing, you get conversations designed by athletes for athletes. I'm Don Sutton. And I'm Brooke Beerhouse, sharing with the athletic community stories and insights to better understand life when your sport ends. Hello, and welcome to another interesting episode of When Your Sport Ends, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? I'm Brooke Beerhouse, alongside my co-host, Don Sutton, on this week's episode, where we get to talk to a former teammate of mine and really close friend, Hannah Luber. Hannah is a former University of Iowa distance runner currently teaching middle school and high school science in Costa Rica, while also coaching the cross-country and track teams at her school. On this episode, we dive into Hannah's teaching trajectory from Guatemala to Costa Rica since graduation. We talk about how and why she decided to study abroad in Fiji during college. We talk about the impact she had on me while she helped me navigate my collegiate running career, but also the end of it as well. She talks about how she found her rhythm with running again and so much more. It's an honest, vulnerable, and impactful conversation that we're grateful to share with you. And before that, Don and I wanted to talk a little bit about teammates, uh, specifically teammates that were a year ahead of you because Hannah was a year ahead of me and we formed such a strong bond and I think that's pretty interesting to think about as well because you get close with people in your class Mm -hmm. but sometimes it can be harder to you don't have as much time I suppose spending with the older classes Um, but I ended up finding a lot of really good friends in the older classes as well like older teammates on our team I think um, Ed did it really well he had the two classes, so freshman and sophomore classes, we were, freshman and sophomore year, we were supposed to be in the dorms. And I think that that created a lot of bonding for the class above and the class below from a sense of we lived essentially in the same rooms. Like yeah. Not necessarily on the same floor, but we had a consistency, which was pretty awesome my freshman year i actually lived with the sophomores just because we oh were that's off. interesting yeah well on their floor i had my roommate who was my year yeah but we were on the sophomore floor just because there was availability there i, I kind of remember created. the iowa swimming team doing that too where they stayed in the most of the sophomores still stayed in the dorms hmm. um they're the only ones i can really think of that i knew did that that's really cool so you found yourself getting closer with some of the sophomores or was it yeah kinda the same yeah definitely like i think i'm i'm not as close with uh the sophomores as i am well we say sophomores i know right the year i'm like above. the year above you I, yeah. I, I find i i find it i'm pretty close with still a lot of those guys in that class and it's interesting because you know, I, I I may have fallen out with some of them, but I still have a really strong connection with some of them, mm-hmm. just as I do with my own class, where uh, my own year I don't talk to uh, a lot Everyone, of them but... a lot of the time, but mm-hmm. I still have conversations and, you know, my network is really focused on a core group of guys when you so then when you were a freshman Mm -hmm. you didn't live in the dorms with hannah she was uh no hannah uh, had her own house with um another really good friend of mine lena who her and i ended up then living together later on with more of my other friends and teammates um but it was just interesting because 
Hannah and Lena were in the same class together. Um, and then Rachel Taylor and I were all really close and in the same class. Yeah, it just kind of became, it was just like a really fluid way of having friends, but also like someone else that had a little more insight even because they'd had that year ahead mm-hmm. that you could ask questions and everything too. And um, yeah, it was a really, really strong group of, it was small. Mm-hmm. The distance team is small. Is the distance group mostly uh, kind of like a cult within the track team? Because the track team's massive. I know. So each, e- yeah, each track and field, it's crazy how many people there are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, each event has their own like group. Yeah. So you've got oh. the middle distance runners that hang out all the time. And it's not, I want to say it's a cult, but it's definitely, you can tell who's in which, which part groups? of the track and field team. And yeah. I thought that was funny because Scott, a guy who was a year above me, he uh-huh. ended up marrying a pole vaulter. But their group, they, they were all together. Like she lived with high jumpers well, and they're field events. throwers and yeah. okay so field events field is events are a, kind of its own because okay. they also right. well, usually have like a similar coach or you know okay. their practice times it's gotcha. really about your practice times who you're around the most all right yeah that makes sense because on the guy's side i'm thinking of our male pole vaulters hanging out with our throwers and every yeah that makes total sense yeah, you got your our field. long jumpers and mm-hmm. everybody else okay yeah that clicks but then the diving team were they i mean we fully incorporated our, I, I think we were i think we were one of the few we are one of the few teams who focuses on diving like mm-hmm. diving is a big part cal they are one of the best swim programs mm-hmm. no dive program but really? we thrive on diving. We huh. absolutely incorporated. Actually, um, my senior year, we had a dive team captain for the swim and dive team. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's different. It is different. So. And with that, we are going to get into our conversation with Hannah because there's a lot of good stuff in there and I want to share with people. And if you like it, let us know on Instagram at when your sport ends. Yeah. like been coaching I haven't really even had a chance on our talks to ask you about that how's it feel to be coaching the team now and how did you fall into that I mean it's it's like the best kind of weird situation to be in because like yeah. when you guys interviewed each other for example you know you're like oh I'm used to sitting like at, as the person doing the interview not like the person getting interviewed right you, know, so you get that like flip experience and so like with the team I kind of have I have the coaching thing came really naturally just because in high school that was the expectation that we were all holding each other accountable so at mm-hmm. some point like we were all coaches I mean my teammates would get in my face and I'd get in theirs if they were like pulling their end of the of the weight and um and my coach would as well so like I had no problem in that in, a, in an athletic realm to like really get after people like in a supportive way and with running it's so easy for it to be this casual fun activity rather than a sport um and so I knew going into it like I'd be fighting with the not fighting but competing with like the soccer teams and the volleyball teams and the basketball teams to get kids just like it was when I was a runner in high school um I don't know it just came really naturally and it's weird because at the same time, like I compete with them, like Julio and I do workouts with them, you know? And so we're running against them every day, basically being like, we're your coaches where, you know, at least 10 years older than you guys, you should be keeping up with us. (laughs) And so it's this neat level of like, I am coaching, but I still, I I feel like it's team member still. Do you, do you think, uh, that's a big reason for you liking it so much? I mean, in my previous experience, I loved coaching. But like getting coached after like competing and following the regiment and everything else, it's just, I thought I I got exhausted from just the structure. And I found that the easiest way for me to get back was just doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. And now you get to have that in a sense, or do you think you still, are you still looking for workout ideas from professional coaches or do you still uh, pull out of the bag of tricks from Iowa, you know, any kind of training courses for that? I would say that 
my I pull out most of my stuff from high school. Um, yeah. Just because that's where I felt like I had the most concentrated quality running and training. And so when I think about a workout for the kids, I go back to high school. That's where my mind instantly goes to. Um, you know, and Hannah, Hannah would yeah. never say that, but she also was like top national ranked run like runner in high school for sure. I mean, you were a top recruit for a lot of colleges. Your freshman year coming in, like she's she's really she's really talented. So I know she'd never say that, but I just like, want to put that out there. I'd like to think that all high school running experiences are relatives, right? Like, yeah, it, you know, someone's good isn't someone else's good, but it's still good for them. But yeah, yeah. my high school was awesome. I mean, we have, I had um, coach Bill Aris and his son, John Aris, uh, coaching me and they're the, arguably the best cross country, high school cross country coaches in the, in the nation. Um and it's wild reading this uh, book, Mark Bloom, who's a writer, specifically a, a, a running journalist. He's written for Runner's World and Running Times, whatever, and has a few books. He wrote a book, kind of co-authored it with my coach called Amazing Racers. And it's about my high school running team. And wow. it was wild picking it up. You know, I went to the book signing this summer. I got back to the States, went to the book signing. So I get to see Coach Harris at least once a year. And we'll email back and forth. Um but getting to like pick up that book at the book signing and getting to like devour it on the plane ride back home. It was just, I don't know. It had this like, Oh my God, this is why I am how I am. <laughs> this is why I coach how I coach because so much of it comes from my high school experience. Um, That's so cool. And it blends also with the kids. Like I, I had an idea of what high school running was and I wanted to see that in my kids and like Julio does a good job kind of reminding me like, okay, but they're not, your high school teammates like the culture is different the schedule is different like we've got to find um, a a mold between the two or a mesh between the two that's important to have that as a as a partnership and a coach like co-coaches so that's really cool too yeah yeah that's an interesting dynamic do you guys talk work all the time Um, I mean, technically, you, yeah. How do you get away? How do you get out, how do you get out of that realm? I feel like we're pretty good about just stopping and then yeah. going and doing something else. But, but like the good, the cool thing about like finding something that you love to do, right, is mm-hmm. that it can be work and it is it can be tiring, but like it's restorative in a way. You know, it gives you energy the more you work. Yeah, as long as you take those times to pause. And so we're just as like you guys can do your jobs and do your podcast and still have time for like your personal life that does still kind of blend together and that it's cool that it's okay. It kind of blends because it means that you found something you really like doing. So like, you know, we both, Julie and I both teach at the same school and coach the same team. And so we definitely spend a lot of time together, but it, it like, I don't know, it blends kind of naturally because we both naturally like running. You know, we're both naturally mm-hmm. active people. So when we right. talk about physically improving or, or mentally improving, like that can be attributed to work as well. So I guess they're kind of interchangeable. But I mean, we're, we're capable of shutting off our phones and laptops kind of thing and just, just chilling. Definitely. Yeah. What? How did you decide to start teaching science in Costa Rica? What was your, like, what were the steps before this? So, right, like, whenever we, like, end up in a really neat spot in our lives, we're probably saying, well, I know I think, like, oh, my God, I could have, like, made so many different decisions to get here, and it's kind of terrifying. It's, like, where you start yeah. feeling, like, luck got you there, not, like, hard work got you there. Mm-hmm. And certainly there was a mixture of both, but um, I don't know, like, I went to, certainly running in high school got me to running at University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. University of Iowa got me to... Well, ironically, quitting the team got me to having to go to school part-time and work full-time. And in that part-time semester, I took a class called, um, you took this too, um, Introduction to Modern Dance. Yes. <laughs> I love, that's my modern favorite. Dance. Introduction yes. to Modern Dance. I still what use that. What is Modern Dance? You oh, took it before it, me, didn't you? I took it with think, you. Oh, you were in my class. Oh, my God. Yeah, because we used to go get bagels at the Newman Center. Yes, because it was that and then ballet, but you didn't take ballet, correct? I didn't take ballet, right, yeah. I just had the intro to modern dance. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Okay, so (laughs) remember, what's her name? There was a girl in that class. Alicia. 
Alicia. I was going to say she works for yeah. Norwex now. I just can't yeah. think of her name. She has studied abroad in Fiji. We would, you know, Brooke and I would talk to Alicia. She was one of the girls in the class. And um, yeah, she had studied abroad in Fiji and she was showing us. I remember she brought her photo album to the Newman Center one day. Uh, Brooke and yeah. I would use the Newman Center every Wednesday for bagels. Um, they're Brugos bagels. They're delicious. Shout out to Newman Center if you're listening. Thank you so much for feeding us. <laughs> and for the coffee that I would make, oh, it, it was a Catholic church, but yeah, it's a Catholic church. Um, they'd have a center for everyone to just go in, and yeah. we'd go back and make coffee. And it was one day. Sorry, we're gonna get back to Hannah's um, story, but the one thing that's really funny is we started making the coffee for people. Sounds like you, oh, and it yeah. was really strong. And people kept coming back like, I don't know what it is about this coffee. It gets so, it gets so jazzed. I remember that one day. And I was like, oh, oh my God. because it's double what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally, Don, if you haven't figured this out, everything in Brooke's life is connected with coffee and running and, you know, yeah, like no it's kidding. all comes back together. So yeah. <laughs> part of the reason I ended up in where I studied abroad was because of the coffee, because of Brooke, because of Alicia showing us her, her photo album. Um, I studied abroad in Fiji. I wanted to go there because I just wanted like kind of – desperately seek this like disconnect from where I was at in college it was a bit of like teenage angst mixed with just like not being able to settle down and focus kind of thing um paired with having the resources to be able to afford to go abroad so that got me there and um and I actually started running in Fiji in Fiji so I went to the University of South Pacific No, 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 it's fine. Like, I had the same oh, question. Like, when she was showing me this, I was Fiji? like, yeah, I was like, wait, there's a university in Fiji? Like, what? Which is actually the same reaction I yeah. had when I got recruited for I Iowa. I was like, wait, there's a right university now. there? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Iowa, Fiji, yeah. Yeah, both were equally as foreign to me coming from New York. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I got to... I got to CG. So it was literally like being on the team. I got running to get to Iowa, quitting the team at Iowa, having time and money to go to Fiji. Um, and then coming back and knowing I wanted to keep traveling and wanted to live in like a tropical area, um, brought me to my first job out of school, which was teaching high school science in Guatemala. Um, mm. Guatemala was like part of the reason why I went there was because of the volcanoes. I really like plate tectonic activity <laughs> and I've never lived near a volcano before and Guatemala has beautiful beautiful volcanoes so that was one of the things that brought me to Guatemala to teach and then um and also just needing to kind of get a job right out of college and then yeah. I was not uh Guatemala was not the spot for me so then I found I had a connection here at the school I teach at now um from a girl that I graduated university with and that's what brought me to Costa Rica um and then, like, the teaching part of it is just pretty synonymous with running because, yeah. like, running, health, physiology, kinesthetics, like, keeping your body and your mind healthy, that's all science. And mm-hmm. just felt natural to, like, teach that to people. So what bird is that in the background? Is it a macaw? Oh, God. Uh, we don't have macaws at the, like, around my apartment. I'm surprised you can hear okay. that. I'm also used to it. We have parrots. And we have this one invasive species. I don't know the name of it, but they make noise. And there's like, I don't know, a bunch of birds. Like at the, there's like a little uh, pond kind of thing. And there's some birds there. Hey, having science backgrounds, you must love that. Then. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, like to live in Costa Rica, the animal, yeah. the flora and yeah. fauna are wild. <laughs> but yeah. people always make fun. People always say they feel like they're in Jurassic Park here, like you actually do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That rainforest. I'm sure the biodiversity too. Just mm-hmm. get to the beach. The most biodiverse the in the world, if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the really? Osa Peninsula. Yeah. It's yeah. like the most really? per, per yeah. square meter. Yeah. Yeah. Really? The most biodiverse in the world. That's where, because when I was researching, that's why we were there. That's interesting. I thought it was in over in Indonesia because they have the two different, uh, maybe that's from an oceanic standpoint because oh, you have maybe. the two different, you have the Australian continent plate next to um, the Pacific, whatever Pacific it was. But, okay. okay. So that, maybe, that makes yeah. sense. Isn't that cool? Wow. 
That's really cool. How is the virus affecting you right now? So you're working from home at the moment? Yep. We've been working at home since maybe the 13th of March. There was okay. a, we, we like left on a Thursday, like we left on a Wednesday and didn't come. Teachers came to school the following day, students didn't, and then the rest of the days. Uh, yeah, so Thursday, March 12th was our last day that we worked in school without kids. And then the 13th, we were, excuse me, we were home. Um, and where, like where I work, the kids financially are A-OK. And so when we switched to our distance learning program with our school, it was fairly easy because um, all the kids have internet at home, all the kids have at least a device to work on, and um, you know, food and water. So their essentials are are met at home, which makes them able to kind of get up and have their normal schedule. They'll log onto the computer at 8 a.m. and go to science class. We use Google Classroom and Google Meet, so we'll have like a virtual class going on, and then assign stuff through Google Classroom. And wow. really, like, the only difference for us at home is that we spend, like, less time in cars driving to and from school. And, um, you know, we found, like, new places to run because we're not running in the neighborhood. How long do you know how long you'll have to keep this up? Have they given you any, any date yeah, Costa, or? Costa Rica is actually the same as the state. April 13th right now is, like, the, the date that people will go back to school unless that changes. And we have like a curfew. So we have like a weekend and a weekday curfew where if you're out on the streets, they can give you a ticket for like 23 mil, which is like 40 bucks. Um, but like, yeah. again, like, the, like where we live, the apartment complex is, is got, it's got a pool, which is closed, but it still has like the area for a pool, you know, ping pong table. There's a uh, plenty of space to run around. Yeah, like I could mm-hmm. run for 35 minutes this morning and like not have to repeat myself too many times and still be within the complex. So when we say we're quarantined, like we are, we haven't left the complex except for groceries for two weeks now, but we have so much space. So it's like, it is, we're living okay. Like I won't go and run alone here outside my neighborhood just because of my experiences in Guatemala. But I'm sure if I didn't yeah. have Guatemala and I came straight here, I'd feel comfortable running outside, no problem. Um, other than that, like, I bring Julio with me because he runs yeah. anyway. So, so yeah, gated community, but not full-on Narcos compound. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of fresh air to breathe. <laughs> I love where this conversation is going, but we need to take a really quick break to check in with our sponsors. Self-isolation driving you crazy? It is for me. One thing I've been doing to keep myself occupied is hopping on to betonline.ag. I'm a big fan of online poker, and I've been keeping myself very busy playing with all the games they have. Poker, not for you. You can bet on eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, the elections, even the spelling bee. And if you log on and create an account now and use promo code MYPOD100, you'll be able to get a sign-up bonus. That's promo code MYPOD100 at betonline.ag. True Classic Tees are my new favorite t-shirt because I always look for quality when I'm investing in any type of clothing. But with True Classic Tees, you get amazing quality, versatile looks, and American-made for a small price tag of $15 per shirt. And now, if you use the code BLEAV at checkout at trueclassictees.com, you get 20% off of that already really low price tag of $15. That's go to trueclassictees.com and use the code BLEAV for 20% off. One of my favorite accessories when I'm traveling and working abroad is my Skyroam Solis. But lately, I haven't been traveling. Is that that orange puck you've been using on our road trips? Yes, that orange puck is actually a Wi-Fi hotspot. And it allows for me to get my work done and have Wi-Fi even when we're in some sketchy service area. The Skyroam Solis and Skyroam Accessories are all 20% off when you use the code ROAMWITHBROOK at skyroam.com. The link for that is in our bio, and it's also in the description of the podcast. All of our advertisers and the codes will be in the description on the podcast. Nova, I want to 
want to get back to your college experience because when you mentioned before about, um, you know, you had to make that decision, which I think a lot of people maybe probably would have stayed on the team just for the financial side, even like if it wasn't making you happy, but you listened to yourself enough that you knew it wasn't a right spot. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, kind of thinking about how you had to make that huge decision as a 20 year old or 19 year old at that time. I think that's, that says a lot that you were able to then do part-time with school and work. Uh, do you want to take us through a little bit about that process for you and, and how you navigated that? <laughs> Cause that's a lot. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned like the money part of it, which was definitely for me, a huge part like I went to Iowa because of the scholarship and I wouldn't have been able to go there without it and so mm-hmm. when I went there even though I left high school with this absolute deep burning passion for running part of it was fueled by the people not just the sport so like I was around in high school so then when yeah. I went to college I remember feeling like I was being asked to like switch to a different religion kind of thing you know, I'd imagine wow. that's how it must feel like because running was like on a spiritual level for me, right? Like a lot of us, like for a lot of us it is. And yeah. you have a coach or you have your teammates that are your supporters and understand, you know, the process and understand the work that goes into it and can recognize when things are going well or not well. or recognize when it, you actually are doing your best versus not your best. And then you go to a different team and you have this different leader and they have a little bit of a different way of doing things and for different reasons. And you're like, oh, oh, this doesn't feel the same. Like, oh, no, you know, and I, I stayed in it for a year and a half, which sounds like such a short amount of time. But for me, it felt like a freaking lifetime. Like, I felt like I was yeah. just hanging in there from day one. And... um and so, yeah, I was just uncomfortable and the money part of it is what kept me in it for as long as it, as I did for a year and a half, because I knew if I quit the team, I'd lose my scholarship. And then I was like, I don't know what I'll either have to drop out or I'll have to transfer to a different school. But my grades weren't great my first semester of college because of, I mean, several reasons. But in the end, I just wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. Um, yeah. And so I was like, no, you know, another school isn't, isn't going to take me, blah, blah, blah. So it was really stressful. And it was a lot as an 18-year-old or 19-year-old to like be taking on. Um, but at the same time, like I got to that position because of my privilege, you know, like I could have, like I was able to run so much in high school because I didn't have to work in high school. So I could train right. and have um really great results and a really great experience because I didn't have to spend my time working then when I went to college and I quit running I kind of had to switch to that position I could have been that many other runners are in in high school where I had to work and train less um so it was a really hard decision and it was really bizarre to have it be about money because that was the first time running had something to do with money like in my life yeah Um, and so it was it was weird and awkward and um I think in the end it was my mental health. I just, I knew I needed to to stop the team and a few other things to get me mentally back to where I needed to be. And what did you then, um, what, and I just, I know the answer to this, but I love asking because it's really cool. What was your job that you decided that you worked ah! for at the school and <laughs> what did Listen, you do? <laughs> I love teaching. I love teaching. I hope to do it forever as well as coach. But mm-hmm. CAM bus, bus driving was the second best job I've ever had. Yeah, so kind of bus for, So it's called CAM bus, like campus, but with a B, so CAM bus. Oh, campus bus. Yeah. Like a campus like, bus, exactly. And this is the University of Iowa public transportation sort of school. But it's uh-huh. public because they let, um, you don't have to have a university ID to use it. And it, what's great about it is it's, it's student run. So your, your boss is other students. It, it, the job works really well with, with college schedules. And mm-hmm. if anybody from University of Iowa is listening and needs money or just wants a good job, go drive Canvas because it is so fantastic. So yeah, I have my bus driving license. Like I can, I've got, I'm endorsed in air brakes and then I can like drive a, a passenger vehicle with up to like 70 people or something like that in it. So. But it pays the bills. <laughs> 
We have a bus called Night Owl uh-huh. in UT that's basically a night shuttle that takes you to the bars and back. Did you ever get, were you ever on that kind of run to the bar section? And do you have any good stories? Because there were oh. so many good stories that came out of those freaking bus <laughs> trips. So we had Safe Ride. Brooke probably mm-hmm. remember Safe Ride or doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> I do. We would. <laughs> we. There was at least once I remember where I had a shift and all the girls like Brooke and Taylor and Rachel and Stacey and all of them went down on the bus and we were just blasting music and I was like flashing the lights on and all. That was like one of the funnest. We had our own dance party. It was the best. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the drivers could play their own music. So that like once you got like, you kind of got some DJ credit. It was like you're playing good music. Like people would like kind of start bouncing to it. And um, we had this one light that would flick the interior lights on and off. And sometimes you would flick those and, like, the people would go wild. Yeah. Right on. Mm -hmm. No, Hannah was the best. I just feel like you've made such a – like, I know it is a little bit of, uh, like you said, sort of luck also, but you could have gone different – like, you could have made different decisions that – didn't work out in the beautiful way that they did. I feel like Canvas also brought you a lot too with Avasu and then like, oh. you know, I, I just, just little things. I feel like you just made such a, whether you were cognitive of it or not, you made such good decisions. How did you, if you can if you look back on it now, how did you make those decisions? I think my best decisions were made when I was being intuitive, for sure. Um, my worst decisions that still brought me to a good place because regardless of this, like I make a bad decision, I'm still going to be like me reacting to that bad decision. So like, you know, I can still find something good out of it. But um, my best decisions were made when I was just like trusting my gut and my worst decisions were made when like, I felt like I needed to be something else. So like even in running in college, I kind of was training up my, I was kind of changing up my training and I was trying to, I was just trying to make it work. And I remember like going to our college coach and being like, Oh, look, if I run like this, like on the balls of my feet, I think I can actually speed up a little bit more and blah, blah, blah. And he's kind of like, mm-hmm. just like just get faster. Like, I don't care how you do it. Just like do something. Cause you're not doing anything right now. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I was just, I was, I was becoming a different sort of runner that cared so much about like these little things because I was trying to change little things to make myself better when really like the problem with my heart just wasn't in it. Mm. And so that was like to, 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 what is it? Like quit the team. That was, it it became intuitive in the end. Mm -hmm. And that was a good decision. Even though I I felt like I was in the shitter for a year, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, and well, I'm just kind of making this, well, I I knew this connection before, but it's just bringing it back um, with how when I, when we first met, I mean, well, we met on my visit, but the recruit visit was so quick. I doubt you even really remember um, our little time that we had is like, hello, hello. But then when we actually got to get to know each other, that was a really hard year for you. And it was also like, I remember you being really good about because you'd had your year of, you know, figuring out if this team and coaching style and everything was for you or not, you never put that on like Rachel or I or Taylor. I feel like you just let us have our own experiences because we were a year younger than Hannah. And, um, and then, but I still was kind of, I, like, I, I think I kind of felt that my sophomore year starting to get a little bit, um, like the, the spark was gone in my, love of it was starting to sort of diminish. It became more of a, a chore and just really like detrimental. But even then I feel like I would go to you for advice, but you still wouldn't let your experience impact what type of advice you gave me. And I feel like I never really thanked you for that. Cause that was really, I mean, that's a, a really mature way of going about it. Cause you easily could have been like, you know, quit the team, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's better without it. Um, but you just let me have that time and listen. So thanks for that. Dude, that's wonderful to hear because I thought I was a lot more mature than that in college. And it's really <laughs> good to hear that at least part of my true self was coming through. Because it is, it's important. Yeah. Like I was I was thinking about it on my run this morning and I was thinking about doing, doing this interview. It was like, 
you know, when it came to college running, it wasn't the environment for me, but I recognized over time that like it could be the environment for other people. You know, I came in thinking, okay, if it's not for me, it can't work for anyone. Like this is bad. You know, we've got to do this differently, this differently, but there's plenty of people before us and after us that were on the team and enjoyed it. And it, you know, it did what it want, what they wanted it to do for them. Right. And that's like one of the biggest pills to swallow is like realizing for me that like my way of doing something might work really well for me, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the same for everyone else. Yeah. I mean, Don, you had a similar, at first the training and like the um, swimming, it worked really well for you at the beginning, didn't it? Like you were in it and you saw yeah. results and then, you know, I think, uh, I think it was just uh, yards and actually focusing a hundred percent on a sport for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it really got me to my best performances. And then kind of like what uh, you, you had said, Hannah, I think I started focusing on the small things versus, you know, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, st- I saw everybody else succeeding. I think my bigger aspect was, well, not everybody else, but a good majority of our team was succeeding. And I think my bigger thing was everybody, it's working for them. Why isn't it working for me? Mm-hmm. Up until uh, about my fourth year where I just kind of fell out. But, it, you know, I, I, you don't realize that you just have different things going on. Like, you know, I found out I was really, really pushed hard to graduate in four mm-hmm. and some of my other co- co-swimmers and stuff could have a little bit of extra four and a half or, you know, five, however, five, yeah. yeah, for scholarship. And that was really nice. But, you know, it, it, everybody's living a different experience is what I learned. And it took a while for me to learn like that. So um, that's like, that's like sports though, right? I mean, that's the, the, how it hits all of us is like, nobody, none of us do sports. None of us, none of us that stay in sports do it because we have to do it. Right. And so when we do fall out of love with it temporarily, just because of like the current environment, it's really bizarre to say, you know, goodbye to it, even though like, you know, it might come back. That yeah. initial time of like leaving the team for the first time is, is weird. It's weird. And I think it's also interesting, though, because it's your first time that you get to experience something that you loved mm-hmm. as kind of a job. Yeah. And yeah. It, I thought it was really impactful from that standpoint. And it's definitely guided me, at least, towards other things and <laughs> figuring out. <laughs> how I fit exactly in this world, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Don, for like for swimming, I remember listening to your interview and like, I was, I was amazed that like you had the wherewithal to just like get in the pool and swim. I just say college yards. <laughs> like yeah. when, uh, when you weren't on a team, like for me, like it's easy to think about like getting up and running. Cause you're just putting on a pair of sneakers, you know, mm-hmm. and getting out the door, like swimming. Mm-hmm. I used to swim when I was a kid on a team and I don't have not swum competitively middle school. And the thought of like getting in the pool in the mornings in the summer, I was always like, oh, it's going to be so cold. Like, oh gosh, I don't know. You know, that's what I do. I was not, I loved swimming, but not like I love running. Like for you, is it hard to like get yourself to the pool even when you weren't on a team? It it wasn't, honestly. I did. I had that much time. Mm -hmm. And so when I started coaching while I was doing my graduate assistantship, I would get there early and I'd have an hour and I'd still have like the energy and the stamina of, you know, a collegiate athlete. Yeah. So I would just crank out yards and then I'd go and coach, but I'd do all the fun things with the, like I was teach I was, I had kids from like 10 to 14 and that's honestly my favorite time to coach because Though, that's where you get to see the greatest re- improvement regardless. Nobody okay. peaks at 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. nobody. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great because it's still in that space where everybody can improve if they put their mind to it. And mm-hmm. when you get them into that mentality, then you can reward them with the more fun things. Like for me, I used to have fun Fridays and we'd go and do minnows? sharks and minnows. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Yes. Sharks and minnows. Like, those the are best. the best. So I would do stuff like that. And I think that that's really what kept me just 
in the pool and in the swimming mindset, just staying in that. Um, I can't not see you right now. I'm just picturing like your wingspan is so long. Those poor kids in sharks and minnows. If you're a shark, <laughs> well, like ten every time. I let them. You guys can hit me. Like I. So funny. <laughs> I would allow them do it only to me, and I'd say no. You guys can't hit each other, but you can hit me. <laughs> honestly, yeah. part of me was just like, this Who is going to be a fun shit. <laughs> yeah. Have ten kids just trying to drown you? Essentially, we're just in training. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of yeah. The, it was like things like that that I wanted to swim the college yards for. I was like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta make sure I can handle these kids attacking. Yeah. Me. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's that's, that's right. one of the greatest things about coaching. Or like like doing some sort of like leading in the sport. It's so convenient because you're getting like you're training too, so you're getting better. Right. Like in my adult life, I've adult quote unquote life. Um, I've with coaching, like I've become such a better runner and uh-huh. I knew that was going to be part of it. Like I knew I wanted to coach for selfish reasons to some extent, but like, it's so neat having like the motivation of wanting to be better than the kids for, yes. so that the kids become better than you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like just leading them in a different way. I agree. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's that must feel pretty rewarding. Yeah. Like wanting, like wanting to be beat. Like when we were all on our teams, we wouldn't like, we, yes, of course we want our teammates to be good and we want our teammates to improve, but we still wanted a PR as well. Right. You know, and with coaching, it's like, it's so much more inviting for me to be like, yeah, beat me. Like I dare you, you know, because (laughs) you know, in that something good is going to happen. Either the kid is going to improve or you're going to improve or both. Yeah. When you started getting back into running and coaching, did you have any past experiences kind of come back in where you either A, made peace with it or B, didn't realize that, oh, wow, I didn't know that I had this emotion come up or that I hadn't dealt with it before? Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, for sure. The like running is personal. And I think we all start mm-hmm. running for different reasons or swimming any of those like long cardio intensive sports have that same kind of feel to them like no one just goes out and does them for hours unless they really like that kind of activity right and I remember I started running in I was always doing sports mainly like soccer and swimming when I was really young and Irish stopped dancing that was cardio and then as I got um as I I started running the summer after fifth grade because I was a bit of a chunky kid. I was like, not thick, like how we use it in our adult life, like thick, like I just had a lot of, I just, yeah, I had some, I had some meat on me, which helped in athletics, but with running yeah. or with the, I don't know. I just had this idea that I was like, okay, I should probably like lose a little weight. And in mm-hmm. fifth grade, you know, saying that now it sounds like I had this like unhealthy view of myself. And maybe it was, but for me, everything was always so, like, objective and literal, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't this big emotional thing for me that I was fat. I was just like, okay, I'm a big kid. I think I'm going to run to, like, not be so big. And it was just kind of that simple. So that's why I started running initially. My mom ran. And so same thing with what you were saying in your interview, Brooks, of, like, the first time you ran on your first 14 miles on your 14th birthday because like yeah. that's what your mom did and so I had this like idea in my head like oh my mom runs I, I, I could go run and so I just started running and um but it was always tied to that that idea that like oh I wanted to lose weight so I started running and then it started coming through in my sports where I'd end up always ending up playing midfield and soccer or lacrosse because they saw I could run and um and then it, then it became like an actual, like, holy crap, I love this kind of thing. And it's what brought me to college. And it's, I don't know. I always, like, if my running is good, I know I'm doing well. And if my running's bad, I know there's something not right with me. That's yeah. a great gauge. Like, it just, that's where it shows. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I can feel that I can agree with that from a swimming aspect. Sometimes, you know, you start grinding, hitting yards, and you go back to just bad habits that don't make you feel as good in the water. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you just feel great. Yeah. I, I get that. 
Yeah. So you feel that now? Yeah, I think running still just as personal and it's maybe even more personal now because it just it's still it feels more natural. Like I feel like I'm maturing as a runner, which I didn't think that was a thing until I felt it happening. Like I can go out and race on road races here and like have fun with it. We ran a 10K in December and I remember getting on the starting line and it was the first road race I had like I had really done besides 5Ks for the school. And it was just Julio and I, we weren't even like coaching. Um, some of our kids signed up, but we, we weren't running it as, as coaches. And I just remember getting on the line and like almost starting to cry. because I was like, this is so cool. Like, I'm so excited to be here at the same time. I'm so happy that I'm excited to do this. Like, I'm not nervous. I'm not like, I don't have that like churning, like, oh my God, I'm going to shit myself kind of feeling. Like, I'm not worried about losing. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited that these other people are excited to be here. Like, let's go run. Gosh, what a revelation. Just the racing aspect. Like, that's such a healthy, wonderful outlook. I'm just, that's really, really good to hear. Yeah, and it just takes signing up for that one race. Like, if anybody's listening and is like, oh, but I just been too nervous to race. Like, it was nerve-wracking signing up. But then doing that first race without, like, any pressure was it's such a just good like breakthrough. I think too, just hearing about like, I was just so curious about your evolution back because um, I know that even, gosh, I want to say Guatemala was whenever you're doing one of the like uh, running every day challenge or like something to get yeah, back. Yeah. I just feel like you've been working to get back to this point for so long subconsciously or maybe consciously. I don't know, but I'm so happy that you're here. I'm just curious how, how it's like ebbed and flowed since, you know, since quitting the team and just kind of well, like with Fiji too. Yeah. The, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you were like, I feel like you've been like working to get back to this point for a while. Cause honestly, it, this yeah. started like before the, about the year before I met you, you know, and when, when like I started to fall out of love with running or at least fall out of love with my environment that involves running. And, um, and from there, I was just very inconsistent with, like, my physical and mental health. And I would go up and down, and I have, like, moments where I felt, like, really good about myself and about my running. And then I'd have, you know, followed by moments where I felt, you know, terrible. And I was just really going up and down and didn't have much consistency in my life when it came to that physical and mental health. And mm-hmm. I went to Guatemala and... um there I was kind of pushed to the brink where any emotions that I could kind of contain and manage while I was in Iowa, there was no space for when I lived in Guatemala. Um, mm, and so it yeah. really all just came out and it's, I don't want to say like I hit rock, rock bottom there because I don't know, it sounds like negative And I think I needed to go through what I did in, in Guatemala. Um, yeah. But there was something when the new year, you know, came around that I was just like, dear Jesus, you need to take care of yourself better. <laughs> and so I started running every day and running in for me in Guatemala was just one of the only things I could do. I didn't have access to like a gym and um, it was something that kind of tied me back to a time when I was happy. Mm. And so I would go out and I'd run this one loop every day and I kind of did it every day for like, I don't know if it was like 50 days, maybe like 52 days. Um, And it was just giving me that like peace of mind that I was looking for. Uh, So that definitely sparked like this idea of, okay, I've got to, I've got to do better on my own and like for myself and that, and I used running to get there. Um, And that was 2018, January, February, 2018. And this is now a year and a half later. And almost two yeah. years later, and I just feel like this is the most consistent and happy I've been because I made changes in my life that, like, got me to a position that I knew I would, like, love to be in. Like, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was making any sacrifices. And then my running has just kind of blossomed since getting there. So, like, running got me here. And then on the top of that, running has, like, kept me here. Yeah, that is such a, such a so it just rings so true to me, too, with like you had said earlier, it ties it all so perfectly because your running is a marker for how you're feeling. And when you feel good, you run well. And, um, and it, like you said, it brings you to a, a happy time in your life. And I feel like it can do that. It does that for me when I feel like 
a good momentum with running than it reminds me of when I was younger and just like love to run. Um, and it no longer brings back the like shitty workouts or, you know, not performing well or, um, everything. So that's, but it is really important to hear that it did take from the minute you, 2018, when you started, it's, you know, it takes a while because so many people look and they see like Instagram highlight reel or something, you know, and they think, oh, well, she hits these times. She must be always, you know, she must be really dedicated and always has this and like never went through any hard time or struggle with running or her training. And to hear that it did take a, a long time for you to find this consistency long, it could have taken longer, but you know, yeah. it's like, it, it took it long enough that, um, that it's, it's important to share. So I'm glad you said that. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.